The problem is this. There's lawlessness in this country. The president encourages this lawlessness. He encourages it. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. Get your next beer. Keep listening, okay? Here we go. So I don't know where you're getting your information from, but your information is wrong. My staff says I can take one more question, which means I will take two, because I want them to know that I am still the boss. I'm David First. A bit later, we'll be joined by John Reitmeyer with New Jersey Spotlight as we consider Christie's comments on the Black Lives Matter movement this weekend and his relationship with New Jersey law enforcement. But to start today, in terms of national impact, it was a moment that might not even register on the campaign trail. But in the story arc of Chris Christie's political career in New Jersey, this was a big deal. After failing 52 previous times to override any of the governor's vetoes, the state Senate finally did it. Last week, three Republicans joined with Senate Democrats to override the governor's veto of a gun control bill that unanimously passed earlier this year. And one of those three Republicans was a guy who always used to be introduced as longtime Christie ally Joe Carrillos. Here now with the front row analysis is Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC, and Charles Style, columnist with the Bergen Record. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks, David. Charles, how significant is it that Joe Carrillos was the one to cast, as you call it, the crucial Republican vote to override a Christie veto for the first time since the governor took office in 2010? I think it's very significant because this wasn't some malcontent from some conservative Tea Party district. This was a person who, in some ways, is very responsible for the launching of Chris Christie's career. When Chris Christie's nomination was being considered by the Bush administration, there were some concerns about his lack of law enforcement and courtroom experience, and it was Joe Carrillos who assuaged some of those concerns in calls to donors. And it was Joe Carrillos who became his campaign chairman in the 2009 campaign. This was somebody who was uh, part of the inner circle. Yes, it was a pretty significant thing. And then because of that, this gave, I think, or will give cover to others who don't have that same relationship with Christie. I think I think it's a watershed moment in the internal feudal politics of Trenton. Matt, uh, this is a relationship that has been fraying for some time, though. Earlier this year, it was announced that Senator Carrillo's would be supporting Jeb Bush for president, not Christie. Uh, This is something Christie spoke about on his Ask the Governor show on New Jersey 101.5. This is politics. It's business. And he made a business decision. And that's all. And that's the only way I view it. I don't view it as some personal shot at me. Christie says, hey, no big deal. This is politics. Really? Christie doesn't take this personally, Matt? This is seems very personal to me. I mean, when I when I first uh, got to the statehouse in 2011, the conventional wisdom and what everybody would tell me was that get to know Joe Carrillo. He is Christie's best friend in the legislature. They met in 1992. Carrillo's was running for Congress. Christie was volunteering on the George H.W. Bush re-election campaign, and that's when they met. They palled around with another, a third guy, uh, Bill Palatucci, who to this day is the governor's sort of uh, consigliere. Uh, he's, uh, he's a big fundraiser for the governor. Palatucci was, was running Bush's campaign, and uh, that's how they all met. Palatucci introduced Carrillo's to his now wife, 
although the, the legend has been that it was actually Christie who introduced them, they were, you know, good friends. And I'm so proud of it. It's part of my title, Carillas, comma, Christie friend. I love it. It's great. And that's what we're, we're, we're telling everybody all around New Jersey. It's hard not to look at this through the personal prism and have to think that there must be some sort of real deep falling out that happens here. That falling out came in the 2012 U.S. Senate race when Joe Carrillos was mounting a campaign against Bob Menendez. Christie pretty much uh, went through the motions at best in helping out Carrillos. And this was, a, I think Carrillos saw this as an opportunity for Christie to come and, uh, and, and help him and boost his chances, and, and he thought it was winnable. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it was winnable, one of those being Chris Christie. But still, he felt that, you know, Chris Christie kind of gave a lip service kind of effort to that campaign. Well, good afternoon, everybody. I'm thrilled to be here today to make one thing abundantly clear. Joe Carrillos is the right man for New Jersey, for the United States Senate. I endorse him. I'm with him. I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure this November he's elected New Jersey's next United States Senator. But I also think Carrillo's feeding that discontent was the sentiment of some of his colleagues in the Senate who felt that Christie had used them essentially as props, that he didn't really come out and campaign for them vigorously. Uh, He had turned the Republican State Committee into his own little kind of legal defense fund for the Bridgegate fiasco. They resented Christie's meddling in internal affairs in 2013 when, after the election, he tried to engineer the takedown of Senate Minority Leader Tom Kane and have him installed with uh, uh, Senator Kevin O'Toole, a Christie ally. They just feel like they've been sort of used as ignored, really, as Christie has really touted his work with Democrats over Republicans. I got pension and benefit reform sponsored by the Democratic Senate president, who is the president of the Iron Workers local. Okay? That's called compromise. And the other thing, too, that's fueling is a lot of Republicans resent having to vote against legislation or, you know, to support Christie's agenda, which sometimes did not stand in concert with their own agenda. So a lot of moderates ended up voting for conservative bills and or being forced to not override legislation like this one, which was a, you know, pretty much a centrist gun control measure. And perhaps lost sometimes in this whole discussion is the bill. Uh, This bill would require law enforcement agencies to be notified when a prospective gun buyer seeks to expunge mental health records. Uh, The state assembly still has to vote on the override before it would uh, take effect. So, Matt, Why is this veto happening now on this bill? The Assembly had 52 previous opportunities, including, uh, you know, with the Port Authority reform bill. Why now? I think it's a combination of uh, two things. Uh, First, it's the issue. Uh, Guns in New Jersey, regardless of what party you're in, is a difficult issue to take sort of the uh, conservative uh, Second Amendment side on. Uh, It's a pretty anti-gun state. And for... Republican legislators in districts where they need some Democrats in order to continue to be elected, it's hard for them to necessarily, you know, come out against a a gun control measure, especially one that all of them that actually supported the first time around. The other reason I think is basically what Charlie's been saying. I mean, discontent within the grassroots of the Republican Party in New Jersey 
has been going on for two years now. Maybe you could pin it to 2012. I actually, he, uh, Charlie was talking about 2012 when, when Carillas ran for Senate. I was looking up some old clips. The first time that Christie campaigned for Carillos was three weeks before the election. And that year, not only was Christie going around the country campaigning for Mitt Romney, but he had been to two dozen states on behalf of other Senate and gubernatorial candidates. Ladies and gentlemen, we all have to spend the next 28 days taking our country back. And the man who's going to lead us on that fight is the next president of the United States, Governor Mitt Romney. He was all over the place doing all this stuff for so many other candidates. And he finally found himself at a diner in Jersey helping out old Joe uh, three weeks before the election. And I think a sense of betrayal started to set in. And then by 2013, there was this creeping sense that he had turned the GOP into, a, a, you know, a, put it at the service of his presidential ambitions. And he used his strict party discipline basically a tool of fear to keep them in line. I've vetoed over 400 bills now, more bills than vetoed than any governor in the history of New Jersey. Um, and 52 times the Democrats have tried to override me, and they're 0 for 52, mm -hmm. because I know how to keep my Republican caucus together on what we need to do. And I think they're chafing it, and they're resenting it, and I think that was expressed through uh, the three uh, Republican votes the other day, uh, especially through Carillas. What chance does the override have in the Assembly? The, the Senate's vote now shines this white-hot spotlight on Assembly Republicans. I imagine it, it could also ramp up pressure on those lawmakers from the governor to get in line. Yeah, if you talk to Democrats, they think they, the votes are clearly there and that, that this event in the Senate has now emboldened Assembly Republicans. I get more of a mixed view of that from the Republicans. So it's, I think it's still a question mark. And, and let's not forget, as Matt knows, New Jersey's governor has almost Caesar-like powers, whether or not he's popular or not. He still has immense power. And Christie, more than any of his predecessors, has uh, shown a willingness to use those levers. He, can, he still has a, a lot of uh, latitude to keep them in line, a lot, of, a lot of levers to keep them in line. That's why the sort of uh, whispers in the hallways of Trenton these days is what's going to happen when Christie comes back. I want to briefly give Joe Carrillo his due here. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, conversation right now about uh, what his motivation may or may not have been. Uh, in his brief statement, uh, Joe Carrillo's denied that this was a moment of, you know, political retribution and that his decision to vote for the override was based purely on his belief that this was a smart bill that needed to pass. Matt, are you buying that? I think um, Carrillo, since we learned earlier this year that he gave a $10,000 donation to Jeb Bush and then that he was uh, supporting Bush formally for the presidency, he hasn't spoken about this. He kind of ducked out from the legislature after this vote and just released this statement via Facebook. So that makes me think it's not just about policy, because if it was just about policy, he could get up there and say, listen, I, I talk to the governor all the time. He knows that I'm supporting Jeb. You know, it's over. And this is really a policy issue. Yeah, I, I, I was shocked that he wasn't there. I mean, if he if it, this was strictly a policy matter, stand up and answer the questions. You know that there's going to be uh, this swirl of speculation. And all he did was feed it by slipping out. I, w I went, that was my first order of business. Let's go talk to Joe Carrillo. So I come around to Bend, he's gone. 
Assembly Speaker Vincent Prieto says the Assembly will not vote on the override until after the election, uh, November 3rd. So we'll have to wait and see if an override will truly take effect. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC. Charles Stile, columnist with the Bergen Record. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, David. See you, Charlie. Lawlessness in America and around the world under Barack Obama. This is the Christie Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. During the primary, Governor Christie has been positioning himself as the law and order candidate. We need a strong law enforcer as president. Someone who says what he means and means what he says. The message is he's the guy who enforces the law, fights terrorism and supports police. He has attacked New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio for being weak on crime. Here's uh, Governor Christie on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Everybody out there who's in New York and watching this or New Jersey knows it who comes to New York City that it is not a safer place. So, the idea that this mayor is sitting here and deluding the American people okay. on national so, television Governor, that this is the Governor, safest summer. To- he says President Obama doesn't support police and took things to an entirely new level on CBS's Face the Nation this weekend with host John Dickerson. He doesn't back up the police. He justifies Black Lives Matter. I mean, th- but th- Black Lives Matter shouldn't be justified I mean, at all. I, listen, I don't believe that that movement should be justified when they're calling for the murder of police officers. No, but they're not calling for the murder of police sure they officers. Are. Sure, they are. They've been chanting in the streets for the murder of police officers. Well, individuals have, but the Black Lives Matter is about... Listen, you know, John, that's what the movement is creating. It was a shocking moment, and it inspired a lot of reaction, including an editorial by the New York Times editorial board condemning Christie's, quote, racially poisonous comments, and reaction from some New Jerseyans who previously supported him, like Bishop Reginald Jackson from Essex County's African Methodist Episcopal Church. My immediate perception was that uh, the governor was trying to play to the base or to the far right of the Republican Party. So for all of the willingness to attract the far right and all the tough talk, what is Governor Christie's relationship with the police in New Jersey? We're joined by John Reitmeyer, reporter for NJSpotlight.com, who used to cover the State House for the Record newspaper. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. When Christie goes on national TV and says the Black Lives Matter movement calls for the murder of police officers, this is an extreme statement. What is he trying to do? I think what he's uh, trying to get across, uh, you know, for much of the primary season, he's been trying to distinguish himself as a former federal prosecutor, as someone who focuses on this issue of lawlessness. And he's portrayed the Obama administration, whether it's on the immigration issue or the crime issue, of fostering an an environment of lawlessness in the country and that he would be the, the, the strongest candidate to address that and reverse it. Moving past this particular Black Lives Matter comment and focusing in on his relationship with police, on paper, this seems like a governor who would have a good relationship with police. He talks tough about crime, fighting terrorism, letting police do their job, giving them all the tools they need. A lot of things that might sound appealing to those in law enforcement, but there's a lot more history here. What do police officers in New Jersey think about our governor? Well, I think the the governor's relationship with law enforcement officers in New Jersey is definitely one that's a little more complicated than that. 
and it really goes back to 2010, the governor's first year in office, and policies that he's been implementing over the years, uh, starting then when he convinced Democratic legislators who control our state legislature to enact a 2% cap on local property tax increases. In addition to that, they also put a cap on the awards that police officer unions and firefighter unions can win from arbitrators when they go into uh, a binding arbitration process at a contract impasse. So that hits police officers in the pocketbook. You can also go to when Christie, again, working with Democratic legislators, passed a major benefits reform package that called on police officers and other public workers throughout New Jersey to contribute more toward their pensions and to pay more for their health coverage. Also in 2011, after aid was held flat from the state to the towns, lawmakers tried to put in some extra public safety grants specifically to help some cities deal with crime in the wake of depressed state aid, and Christie vetoed those out of the budget. So all in all, a lot more to the story than just the Black Lives Matter comment, for sure. In the depths of the financial crisis, when cities had to decide how to save money, how to cut budgets, uh, mayors went to Christie and asked for, uh, for funds to help keep officers on the jobs. Do officers blame Christie for not coming up with uh, more funds to keep more of them in their jobs? Do they blame him for all of this stuff that we're talking about? I think Christie gets a lot of blame. Um, some of it fair, maybe some of it unfair. Unfortunately, the state for a while was in a position where it was hamstrung due to its own revenue problems and was not necessarily in a strong position to be providing state aid and was making cutbacks in a lot of different programs across the budget during the recession. Definitely the debate at the time hinged on whether the state should be stepping up and providing more money to the cities or whether the cities had agreed to deals with police unions that were simply too generous to uh, sustain, especially during a recessionary time. On Face the Nation, Christie once again made this claim that he always makes about the Camden police force and reducing crime in the city. He was telling host John Dickerson why police in New Jersey have not suffered any of the uh, so-called Ferguson effect and have not been reluctant to crack down on crime because of any added scrutiny of police behavior. I don't see it in New Jersey because the leader of New Jersey tells the police officers to go out and do their job without exception. And they're doing it. And they are. And you've seen it in, in a city like Camden, where in the last three years after we replaced the police department there, John, um, and backed them up completely, all the political folks, murder rate is down 61% in the last three years in Camden. But isn't he comparing current rates to that one year that had the big spike in murders when you know, the city police force, all the city officers were let go? Yes. Camden was in a position of having to reduce its its budget and you know, again a big a big part of the the local budget is the police force there were a lot of cutbacks that hit the police department hard which also meant uh, less officers which uh, many attributed to an increase in crime to record amounts that year a lot of the blame was pointed at Christie in response they ended up replacing the city police department with a regionalized force the big component of that was it was not a unionized force, and so it overcame the benefit issue that had become a sticking point. And ever since then, you know, Governor Christie's been holding up Camden as the success model based on some improvements in the rates of homicide and violent crime. 
For all of his uh, talk about being the law and order candidate and uh, supporting police, there were uh, no police unions that supported his uh, second run for governor, were there, except for the Port Authority police? Yeah, and that, that's, that's definitely correct. And again, I think that goes back to the issue of, of pension funding and the 2% cap and, and aid to municipalities. There have been a much tighter grip on money that goes out from the state to towns and cities. John Reitmeyer with uh, NJSpotlight.com. Thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker Podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt K-A-T-Z. I'm David First. To wrap up, we shift from the governor trash-talking the legislature's previous veto override record to an issue even closer to the governor's heart. They're 0 for 52. Um, As a Met fan, I used to be able to be used to that kind of performance. Um, But this year, we're in an entirely different circumstance, aren't we? Uh, 